Imagine someone telling you there is one thing that you could cut out of your life that would solve all of your problems. Aaron (laughs) Pay. Oh, man, you ran Uh, head first, like eyes closed, arms behind your back, Naruto style into that. Sorry, sorry. We we are wrong. It's not Aaron. It's just the uh, Super Bowl victory of the Buckside cutout. Boo. It would fix the problems in your family, your job, and bring you closer to the life you always dreamed of. Sounds like a wonderful chance to make things right, doesn't it? Well, no. Sounds like an absolute crock. I know. In reality, it would turn into a strange world of desire, lawlessness, and violence, achieving none of its promises and instead a list of problems that should have been obvious. Purge. This week on Cheeky Tales, we discussed the time the US decided to go full Catholic and abstain from oh, booze. But- That's right. We're talking about prohibition, baby. Not the crappy nightclub in Brisbane. While you're holding a- A beer. A beer. You could have at least stayed <laughs> and on topic. Intro five seconds. Yeah, we're good. It's funny when you look at the camera for that. It's amazing because I I just cut that section out. Like, so we all just sit here in silence for no reason. Yeah, no, but that's good. Yeah. It's Prohibition, baby. Also, it's the Tampa Bay Day. Sean and I wearing jerseys. We got a are. footy. John hates the Bucks. Everything's right in the world. It's just sad because John's an honorary Bucks fan. Yeah, he is. Now that he's- uh, Well, if you would have told me, I would have brought my Bucks jersey. I did. I said it in the group chat. I he, said, where are your jerseys? Did he did say that. Mm. Damn it. John ignores all requests. Yeah. Um, no, it's- uh, Hello, wide angle. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yes. Hello. Room shot. Forgot we have the extra camera. All yeah. because somebody's camera couldn't stand a single episode. This is our contingency plan. No, we always wanted to have the wide shot. Yeah. Uh, it just became very, very necessary when I had to put in 30 photos of John last episode. Yeah. This is an experimental- Wide shot position. I don't have a tripod for that GoPro. Sitting on a speaker. Sitting on a speaker with oh, a battery can we turn pack that plugged into on? it. No, no. We'll just play the bassiest song we've got. Pass. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see if this wide angle is pretty good. We had to move John's tripod because it was just aggressively in the middle of the frame. So John's got an no, up and nose shot now. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, at some stage we'll build a set. Well, that's you know, great. his living room. Yeah, sure. I'm going to live in a set. Just drop it down from the ceiling. Put it in the shed. <laughs> We could do it in the shed. Imagine how gross that would be in summer, though. It'd be all right. It's for a small, it's only for a small window of time. It'd be all right. Do it in the evening. You can just put aircon in it. That does also immediately remove the option to record during the day, but. Yeah, we'll work something out. Do it in the office. I need a, it doesn't need to be a full set for three people. It doesn't need to be on air discussion. It needs to be two people next to each other. With the set behind them. Because I'm the producer anyway. Just a very tight angle shot on your face. Yeah, I'm off camera. Mm. I'll just put a neutral background for myself. Anyway, um, the reason we're wearing all our Bucks gear is because it's week two of the playoffs. Week one will have just ended. Maybe the Bucks are there still. Who knows? The Bucks should have made the playoffs. I don't know why you're doing this because it did not end very well for us last time we did this. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All Brisbane teams lost that weekend. Yeah. Here's the following eventualities for this week's podcast. No, we're not doing that. We're going to be positive. Bucks are in the divisional round. Yes. Yeah, the Bucks should be in the divisional round. There's what 99.5% chance. So they, they have to win, as of recording, they have to win the Saints game or the Panthers game. Yep. And they'll be in the playoffs. And then it's um, wildcard round. So wildcard round, as of recording, will be yesterday. Yeah. Well, so they the should- Bucks might still be there. Well, they shouldn't have had to play in the wildcard round. They should just be playing in the- if they win the division. No, they'll still be wildcard round. Just to be wildcard only? Yeah. You don't think Only they- one team gets a week off. Yeah. Anyway, the Bucks may or may not be in the playoffs, may or may not have just lost or won a playoff game. Tampa Bay, baby. Tampa Bay all the way. Fire those cannons. So if you would like to sponsor the podcast and get us to Tampa Bay to record an episode, hit us up. I want to record in the pirate ship, baby. Uh, just, just enough sponsorship to get us a new microphone. <laughs> would be nice. My microphone sucks. Hey, man, I'm looking for pie in the sky. Let's get this us to Tampa Bay. Squarespace, Manscaped, Blue Apron, HelloFresh, um, 
NordVPN, ExpressVPN, uh, coffee, <laughs> whatever that coffee subscription one is. I don't know. Boozebud. Good one for this episode. Yeah, Boozebud's a good one for this episode. Um, we like talking about sponsorship. What's the We're happy one? to have, uh, Oh, Dollar Shave Club. That's yeah. Dollar Shave yeah. Club. Just, I don't know, something like You know, level. if you want to help us get sponsorship, share us with your friends. If you know somebody that works for a company that's prepared to sponsor YouTube videos that isn't a gambling company, then we'd be all right. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm crap out of luck. Like, no barbering company wants to sponsor. You're wearing a, ved- a very Ned's color at the moment too, so. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Let's uh, move on from that. Move on from that. <laughs> anyway, prohibition. Yeah. What does that mean? Means you can't have it. Oh. Basically. The, what, that's the, pretty much, yeah, that's the- that's I it. can't have the definition or- So thanks, thanks for listening, guys. Um, <laughs> hit us up on Cheeky Tales Pod on <laughs> Facebook, episode, Twitter. You're not finding out anything. Yeah, that's the whole point. Get into it. <laughs> America didn't just love guns. Before we get to prohibition, we've got to understand just how different life was in early America. Drinking alcohol wasn't just a social event back then. It was a full-blown fact of life. Water in early America, and the rest of the world for that matter, wasn't as safe as it is now. But distilled and fermented drinks removed the harmful bacteria, making it much safer to smash a pint of beer than to swig from a Frank Green full of water. (laughs) Or a Yeti. Oh, there's a sponsorship. Yeah, thank you. There's There's a sponsorship avenue. Yeti, Frank Green. We know you got the money. I can't believe a drink could be this cold or hot. I never realised my amino acids could be so high or so so low. low. (laughs) People would drink at breakfast time. Farmers would take beer and whiskey with them into the fields. People were expected to be drinking at work. And when it was time for dinner, it was another round of drinks, followed by one final shot before bed. In 1790... The average American would drink 21.9 litres or 5.8 gallons of pure alcohol a year. So wouldn't, wouldn't everyone just be dehydrated then? Alcohol dehydrates you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't make sense, does it? No. But it's across the world. People used to drink a lot more than they do now. In 1790, the average American would drink 21.9 litres of pure alcohol a year. And in 1830, it had risen to 26.9 or 7.1 gallons per year. To put that in perspective, the average American today drinks 8.7 litres or 2.3 gallons a year. And that's pure alcohol. That's not booze like a beer. The first ships to land Europeans in America had beer on them. George Washington had a still in his home that he used to make whiskey for his troops. Doctors would often prescribe whiskey as a treatment. Being drunk was still considered bad, a bit sad on a normal day. But at events like barn raisings, weddings, and public hangings, it was a chance to get blasted and hang out with your buddies. Barn raisings, mm-hmm. weddings, understandably, hangings. Public hangings. Mm. Public hangings. Mm. I feel like the barn raising would be the funnest. Yeah. Definitely not the hanging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's less fun. Depends on what side of the rope you're on. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, good one. Well, who didn't like it then? While there was a ton of booze being guzzled. What? I just- Pun. We haven't done a pun for a while. Yeah, we kind of let that slide, didn't mm. we? Boy. Mm. No, I was trying to think of a pun on let that slide. <laughs> let it slide down the bar like a yeah. like a drink? No. Mm. Um, we let it go a bit flat. Oh, oh, that's good. That's a beverage. That's, that's good. Can't do that with our beer. Sean and I made a beer. It's really overcarbonated. It's really overcarbonated. What are we going to do about that? I don't know. Just leave it, literally leave it as long as we can and hope that it calms down. I was going to say, lament me with this libation story. I don't know. All right. You tried. Uh, yeah. Le- lament me with this libation of this liquor story, boy. Okay. You got there in the end. Mm. Landed it. While there was a ton of booze being guzzled, there were still parts of the country that didn't particularly love the amount of drinking going on. Obviously, there was a religious group. The Midwest. Yeah, pretty much. That saw drunkenness as a slight on God, but more importantly- were the people being directly influenced by their families drinking, wives and mothers. Being a different time. <laughs> okay, so it was just the men drinking constantly. Yeah. Being a different time, women were still mostly homemakers and would frequently find themselves stuck at home, broke, because their husbands were out at the saloon all the time, drinking away their paychecks and avoiding responsibility at home. 
men would often end up in fights, getting injured and further limiting their ability to make money. The first organised movement towards prohibition was founded in 1826. What are you doing? Just listening. I'm listening to you. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. He's putting his cheeky tails pen in his pocket. Where you can't see the logo. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> the first organised movement towards prohibition was founded in 1826, known as the American Temperance Society, which grew to 1.25 million members within 10 years. The, so- uh, the society would have a membership of up to 60% women. What, what year was this? 1826. I'm just trying to think of what the population of America would be in 1826. Lucky we got a producer. Sorry. Whoa. I was down the rabbit hole of prohibition in countries worldwide. What was the question? The question was the population, population of, of, the Ameri- US. of the US in 1826. Because it was, that movement had what, 1.25 million. 1.25 million members. I was just trying and to- And up to 60% of the membership was women who would pledge to no longer drink distilled beverages they would still be free to drink wine and beer. 1920 US president US resident population was 9,638,453. We want 1820. Sorry, 9 million. Yes, 9 million. In 1920. 1820. Oh, thank you. Oh, okay. So That's moving enough. forward. Just over 10%, 15% yeah. of the population had joined up. Cool. Okay. I was just trying to work that out. That's actually huge. Sean did say 1920 though. Just he did, 18, didn't he? He, he said nineteen. You definitely said nineteen. It's definitely recorded, and you definitely said nineteen. Play it back. That's why Aaron stopped you because he's like nineteen twenty nine million. What? So in eighteen twenty <laughs> they had nine million, and in nineteen twenty they had one hundred and six million. Okay, that makes more sense. That's that's a lot of. Uh, that's growth. like a hundred million people in a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. That's a million people a year. The, have you seen population extra, graphs? Extra. Extra people. Population graphs are like, ooh, kaboom. Except if you're in South Korea. Yeah, well, because it went kaboom and now it's flat. Nope. Oh, it's going down. It's yeah. going down. Yeah. I was listening to something the other day. They were talking about within one gener- two generations, um, it's like 90% of the population is going to go if their birth rates continue at what it is. So that's like- 90% would be like Australia would go to 4 million, four million people mm. in two generations, which is what, 60 years? Yeah, about that. About that. But it's happening all over the world. Yeah. There's very few countries that are still growing at the rate they used to. All like the even China's flattened out. No, all the third world countries are still growing. All the- Yeah. Yeah. What the civilized but countries with the, are- The issues that the world over has with overpopulation and the inability to growth uh, the inability to match the growth of, of the population. Like if the population is dwindling because of lifestyle effect, like effects of lifestyle, it's probably, it's, it's not like a bad thing. Like, yeah, it's more of the culture we're in. Yeah. Um, the birth rates are down because- People have kids later, people have less kids. Yeah. And religious like, aspects towards- Yeah, religious aspects, um, the different things with the- yeah. The real problem is you end up with and all that kind of stuff. older population that can't work. And then, yeah, but look at countries that are considered to have an elderly and aging population. Italy, Japan, they're doing fine. Like they, like we talk about the elderly population that can't work. They are both countries that have higher GDPs. Like they're they're fine. Anyway, way off topic. Didn't do so fine during COVID. Um, Japan, one of the first countries to reinstate tourism. Yeah, they were doing fine, but Italy, not good. During the 1840s, the society would be joined in its crusade by a number of religious groups. As, uh, as the group grew in number and influence, it saw women begin to protest in Ohio in 1873 against alcohol use. Ohio, Cleveland, baby. Yeah. Spreading to the rest of the country and becoming known as the women's crusade against alcohol. They would be, uh, march down streets in towns and cities, stopping outside saloons to pray. As you can imagine... This was very confronting for men at the time when women were left at home. Uh, and so they would start to fight back against the movement, harassing the women as they tried to protest. Mm, this is, I feel like this is about to get icky. In one instance, a fire engine was called to hose the women down. And in another, a saloon owner brought a cannon out the front of the saloon and threatened to blow the women away if they didn't disperse. Eventually, the group would form uh, the Women's Christian Temperance Unit, or WCTU, you playing Fallout? No. <laughs> I don't want to set the world on fire. It's a song called Save a Little Dram for me. 
Eventually, the group would form the Women's Christian Temperance Union, or WCTU, mm-hmm. yep. on my birthday, December 23rd, 1873, which so would go on- You are 150 years I old. I am quite old, yes. <laughs> uh, which would go on to produce education, uh, educational material for schools. Quick math. Install water fountains and run homes which would rehabilitate alcoholic women. Okay. Yep. They had some pretty- Shady educational material. Mm, okay. Like if you drink even one booze, you'll explode. <gasps> yep. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that. I felt, I felt like I was going to explode. Not last night, the night before. I think I may have drank my hard solo too quick. Massive heart. heart oh, no, I had I heart burn. Tubby pro- I got tubby oh, ache. Drink, no, drink I had a heart, alcoholic I had heart burn. Drink. <laughs> heart too burn was sugar. awful. I was rolling around on the ground. I was in that much pain. Oh, jeez. You have no sure idea. you drank hard solo. Oh, yeah. you have no idea. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it. It's not only just hard solo. I've had it before, like um, Bundy rum. If I have it with ginger beer, I get massive heartburn. Wow. Yeah. I take a proton pump inhibitor every single day due to heartburn. Mm. I've done for 10 years. I feel it's pretty healthy nice. right now. It's not nice. It's not good. It's weird. Like one night I'll drink. A solo and it'd be fine. And the next night I drank it and I was John so done. would have been a prohibitionist. Yeah, get rid of the booze. Hurts my heart. I'll get a tummy ache. It literally hurts my heart. <laughs> tonic tonic water gives me crippling heartburn straight away. But I am a, I have gourd. Like I suffer from heartburn quite a lot. But tonic water in particular sets it off. I drank a, what's a Ted? Tui's extra Tui's dry. Yeah. Extra dry. What's the black version of that? Tui's, like Tui's platinum. platinum. Extra, extra dry. I had a Tui's Platinum once, and it gave me such crippling stomach pains, I couldn't oh. go out. Oh, you do stomach pains. Oh, look at me. Oh, so one little beer. Oh. Careful. He had it from drinking higher than standard alcoholic content beer. I don't care. He you just had, had it from drinking from alcoholic soft drink. And it's also the only time it happened to me, and I've never what's, had one again. What's the standard drinks on a pre- like a, no, on a- On a hard platinum. Solo. Oh, I think they're 1.8, 1.9 standard Yeah, drink. I think they're 1.9. It's one point four and a half. Doesn't matter. It was yeah, a I'm really a, a st- bad beer. Standard it's full not strength. That bad. It could have been point nine. Could have been a West Coast cooler. Point six. Mm. I love West Coast coolers. I, I just don't know what causes it. This I, episode is going to be alcohol heavy. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> it's about it's about piss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I don't think they call that in America. Australian vernacular for alcohol. Yeah, piss. 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 To all our British and American because listeners. that's what VB tastes like. Our famous British listener who called me a slaphead. <laughs> yeah, Reese, that got him good. Yeah, Reese, that got me real good. It's real uh, tough. It's real tough. I'm a bald barber. It's it's horrific. Lower third, right here, boy. Please don't label me as a slaphead. <laughs> Do it <laughs> now. You've just asked for it, Sean Turnock. Slaphead. Slaphead. <laughs> as time went on. <laughs> You know, like one of uh, another famous podcast that we listen to. You see him out in public to do something. You see Sean out in public. Slap his head. Please, <laughs> please don't. Please Sean's do going to get assaulted so many times. Please don't do that. Yeah, please don't assault oh, Sean. Please don't. No, just just a gentle little Ask slap. his permission, then give him a little rub on the head like a genie. He will grant you three wishes. And all of them will be for death. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Women's Christian Temperance on. Union. WCTW. WCTU. Oh, that was the- WCTW, I think, was the-, the right, Yeah, the, the Women's yeah. Christian- The Women's Christian Temperance Union. Wasn't WCTU the station- no, WCTW. WTW or something. It was the station oh, for- from, from Yeah. Max Headroom. As time went on and people started to think more about the impact of alcohol on the family- some states started in, uh, started to introduce dry laws. Yeah, real terrible when your kids are stumbling down the hallway. Yeah. Which were aimed at the restriction or prohibition of alcohol consumption and sale. Kansas, in particular, had introduced a ban on alcohol sale, which had resulted in an explosion of illegal saloons popping up all over the state. John is correct. WTTW and WGN-TV. That was it. Why, why Kansas? I would have thought Kansas would have been- Because they- Produce a lot of corn. Yep, they would have been one of the th- main. Isn't Kansas state- in the Bible Belt. Yes. Uh I would have think thought it's close. I thought I would have thought Kansas would have been keeping it because no. a lot of corn goes to creating. Yeah, but a lot of you got to remember, like a lot of the Midwest and the the 
yeah, yeah. the southern and southwestern states are obviously a lot high, like highly religious. Like even if they produce a lot of I just corn that produces Kansas alcohol, produce a lot of the Bible Belt incorporates not Kansas. Okay, it'll be like um, Oklahoma, Utah, Alabama. It's Alabama, Arkansas. Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, and parts of Florida, Louisiana, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, parts of Kansas, not all of Kansas, New Mexico, Ohio, and Texas. All right. There you go. Not Colorado. Sorry, Colorado. So, yeah, there's an explosion. Explosion. Don't say Don't. That is a great. You bleep that. If you don't, if you don't bleep that word, that is a gross word. word. Splash. It's such a gross. Got word. Here, yeah, you bleep yours, but you unbleep his. <laughs> Make sure you bleep that in in edit because it's sure. a gross word. Explosion. So there was an explosion, explosion. of illegal saloons. <laughs> he just said it again. I said explosion. Oh. The police, probably happy to have a drink, were doing very little to stop this, with laws failing to be enforced all over the state. This left temperance fighters to do their own dirty work, and one woman named Kerry Nation would go further than anyone else. This is where moonshining come from? People doing yes. moonshining? Yes. Mm, okay. Kerry Nation was a sweet lady, roughly 54 years old, who felt a calling to serve the temperance movement. After a heavenly vision told her to go to Kiowa and smash, or Kiowa, I don't know. And Kiowa. smash. Kiowa, that's it. Thank you. And smash. And Akari. smash. She picked up a bunch of rocks and a hatchet and took to smashing three saloons to pieces in the city of Kiowa. 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 <laughs> After this, a tornado hit, the Kansas, uh, hit Kansas and she felt that was all the proof she needed to continue her spree of hatchetations all across Kansas. Because that's unusual for a tornado in Kansas. Yeah, I know, right? She would go on to spend the next 10 years of her life traveling all over the country, smashing up saloons. 10 years? Yeah. She would be arrested some 30 times, paying for her bail with her lecture tour fees and sales of lapel pins. How has she not been publicly hung? Each time, she would manage to avoid charges by agreeing to promise not to smash up another saloon. Oh, really? Which, of course, she would go back immediately to smashing saloons. uh, after, what, three or four, she started promising and then continued. Yeah. It's pretty wild, hey? Like, because I guess the information doesn't spread that much. So yeah, like, okay. You got to remember, we're not in the yeah age of rapid information we are in now. Mm. A brilliant quote from her is, Ladies, you do not know how much joy you will have until you smash, smash, smash. It's a great quote. Despite the hard work of leaders like Kerry, the WTCU uh, eventually st- uh, started to wane in power and productivity, as unfortunately the reality of the day was that homes wouldn't function without women at home to look after the children and deal with the problems of the home. How can the home function when all the women are out smashing saloons? It's true. And so women had to slowly return home to look after their husbands and children. There was a group ready to take up the mantle, though, called the Anti-Saloon League, run by a man named Wayne Wheeler. The ASL. Yeah. Dirty Tactics from Sober Men. The main difference between the WTCU and the Anti-Saloon League was that where the WTCU focused on a range of issues, including child welfare, sanitation, prison reform, women's suffrage, and of course, booze prohibition, the Anti-Saloon League had a singular focus, the ban of alcohol. This allowed them to fully exploit the fears of everyone in the country that had been stoked by the group that ran before. They would use some shady tactics to do so, pitting groups against each other with the catalyst of alcohol. They would find immigrants fresh off the boat who were drinking and say that their drinking and misfortune were caused by the American alcohol culture and then point at those same immigrants when speaking to American citizens and say that their alcoholism was being imported from overseas and would cause pure Americans to stray from their religious focus. Factory owners were told that the workers were lazy and useless because of their drinking while the workers were told that the alcohol was used by the factory owners to keep them poor and powerless. The tactic was used to bring opposing political views together with a focus on alcohol being the problem. They also used propaganda in the form of posters around the city describing the cycle of alcoholism starting with a single drink, ending in destitution and suicide. 
It's pretty heavy stuff. Mm. And they're playing both sides of the field. Yeah, they actually, it's a great example of how to get opposing views together mm-hmm. is you find a catalyst that they both hate. It would all come to a head with the breakout of World War I, though, as the sentiment within America towards Germany going all dear Maria and hitting an all-time low. I stopped my drink because of that absolutely <laughs> atrocious joke. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's amazing. What do you mean that's bad? For all you tragic reform demos out there, that's, that's for you. This one's for you. This is where the infamous renaming of sauerkraut to Liberty Cabbage and Frankfurters to Liberty Sausage began. What? Yeah. That was a thing? Yeah. Yeah, during World War One. Wasn't sauerkraut, it was Liberty Cabbage. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I've heard of towns being renamed, but not foods. Yeah, no, they renamed basically anything that was German, yeah, yeah, German to something sounding. else. Yeah. As the majority of the nation's biggest beer brewers and distillers were German, the Anti-Saloon League started to, painting, uh, started to paint drinking alcohol as an anti-American act. And despite the best efforts of the brewers to paint their drinks as healthy and family-friendly... Public sentiment quickly turned against them. Family friendly. You can only do it once you're 21, though. Fun for all ages. Yeah, I don't think there was an age limit at that time. Oh, really? Mm. There's some great shots of like... Um, ah! Ah! Keep going. Can't, can't play that. <laughs> That's monetized. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh! Keep going. Are we just going to leave it on that? No, keep going. Keep telling your story. I'll fix it. Okay. There's some great shots from like advertising from German brewers at the time where there's like, you know, a mother holding her baby and the baby's got a beer, like holding a stein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As World War I took hold and grain rationing had to be put in place, a temporary prohibition was set to limit grain use. And with that, the stage was set for the last hurdle, taxes. Right. Yep. Big, big issue. Roughly 40% of the US tax income that would be lost uh, was from the introduction of prohibition. So 40% of taxes came from alcohol. Mm-hmm. But that was of little concern to the Anti-Saloon League, who Sean, simply- Sorry, Sean, can you look up the current tax rate on alcohol in Australia for today? Continue. So just to be clear, it was 40% of all tax income. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was of little concern to the Anti-Saloon League- who simply introduced the idea of a new income tax, which would make up for the lost money. Oh, and so it was pro- Yeah, so they brought in income tax. Dogs. Mm. So if it wasn't for prohibition, we wouldn't have income tax. Mm. I'm sure it would have come in eventually. Yeah. And so it was that Monopoly. prohibition was Monopoly introduced- <laughs> And so it was that prohibition was introduced as the 18th Amendment in 1913. In 1917, the amendment would pass the House of Representatives with a vast majority of 282 to 128, with ratification of the new amendment being brought in on January 16th, 1919. That's right. This episode release day is the 105th anniversary of the ratification of Prohibition. Mm -hmm. Nice. Ratification meant that legalization would be drawn, uh, would uh, be, what? Maybe you need to have a bit of prohibition, boy. Too many beeries. Yeah. <laughs> Ratification meant that legislation would be brought into effect one year later. And so the Volstead Act was introduced on January 17th of 1920, outlawing alcohol production and sale. And that was the end of alcohol and all problems in America. Good night. It wasn't because uh, wasn't the molasses flood a cause of prohibition? Uh, no, maybe. weren't they using? Molasses. I they were using the big tank for the molasses because they couldn't do. Well, they changed to molasses production in. Molasses was for um, in Boston industrial alcohol. Yeah, but did, yeah, okay, I thought that's why. And that was also earlier. That was like the nineteen. 19- oh, was it? I think it was like. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. Of course, it wasn't. Um, any any figures there, Sean? Oh, dude, it's so complicated. Yeah, okay, don't worry about it. 
Um, would you like to know? That- no, it's the the. If Sean's going, it's complicated. Let's not bother the the tables and charts of how to complicate the excise tax duty rates of alcohol in Australia based on. Wow. Yeah, it's- we pay a lot in taxes. That's all yeah. I know. Let, let, yeah. Let, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just thought you might have been able to pull up. You know, like one cost of a beer, say it's three fifty. A dollar, a dollar fifty. That is tax. Mm. Yeah, it's round. We are an incredibly heavily taxed nation. I think, judging by this, let's say alcohol volume beer not exceeding three percent individual container over. Th- 48 litres, tariff sub-item unit, dollar per litre of alcohol, 1.2. So, $1.20 per litre of alcohol. No, I don't know. No, this, it's really- Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. I thought there was a simple answer. There is not. No, there's no simple answer. It's actually really, really confusing. And it's made my brain hurt. And Sorry. I feel squishy. And I haven't had lunch yet. Almost immediately, people began to suspect that maybe everyone that said that prohibition would make things better was right. That sentence made no sense. Try that again. Almost immediately. Uh, almost immediately, people began to spec- uh, suspect that maybe everyone that said that prohibition wouldn't make things better was right. As it turned out, alcohol production was America's fifth largest industry, so a huge chunk of people were out of a job within a year. There was also a significant and quick increase in the number of people finding loopholes and uh, finding loopholes in and outright breaking the new law. While there was a noticeable decrease in alcohol consumption straight after the law was introduced, alcohol consumption began to rise again almost as quickly afterwards. As it turned out, the Volstead Act would have much stricter laws than people had anticipated, as initially the idea had been to only ban hard liquor, such as whiskey. But in the end, it would ban anything with a higher alcohol percentage than 0.5, which would even technically ban Liberty Cabbage. Sour crap for those that don't remember. (laughs) In terms of loopholes, the first that many people picked up on was that the consumption of alcohol was still completely legal, Mm -hmm. as was owning liquor that had been purchased before the introduction of the law. This meant that people had stockpiled alcohol in the year before Prohibition was introduced and managed to make it through Prohibition without running out. People were also allowed to make wine at home, with products such as Vine Glow being introduced which was a block of non-alcoholic dehydrated grape juice that could be dissolved in water and then left to ferment for 28 days in the cupboard to make wine. It actually, like, they sold a whole bunch of these products and they all had a warning on the back that was like, do not do these exact steps because it will turn it into wine. And then it would list the steps that you had Uh, to do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, yeah, don't do these. Wink. Yeah. Uh, It was also common practice at the time for doctors to prescribe whiskey or treatments, and this would continue to be allowed. So doctors were raking it in, prescribing patients for a sudden influx of disease. It's just, this is the first medical marijuana. Yeah, pretty it's much. medical alcohol, medical whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Religious practices involving alcohol were also still allowed. So communion. And, yep. And so uh, orders for communion wine skyrocketed, mm. as churches were all of a sudden very popular. <laughs> As were the deals going on after church to buy communion wine. <laughs> Reverend Smith, I need my communion. Give me my communion. His stories, like rabbis were also allowed to have wine. So there was just like this explosion of rabbis all over the place. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Give me, got any more of that communion? <laughs> I just want to do communion, man. Give me the blood of Christ. Don't, don't worry about the body, just give me the blood. Yeah, I don't need any of that body to, to soak it up. <laughs> the government of the day was against large government spending as well, so there wasn't really much enforcement of the law going on. The Bureau of Prohibition only had 1,500 agents to cover the whole country, and the Coast Guard wasn't strengthened to, bloke, uh, to block ocean borders either. It still either. seems a lot, 1,500. Yeah, but you think the size of the US- I, I know, I get that, but it's still, it's still a large number. And there was, what, 100 and something million people? Mm. Yeah, it's that's a lot of people. Million. 106 million. Mm. I think oh, it was something yeah, like 60,000 people per agent. Yeah, so the Coast Guard wasn't given any more money either. And don't forget the giant Canadian and Mexican land borders as well. As you can imagine, gangs would start to work out how to bring booze in from outside the country. 
and some industrious individuals would start to work out how to make their own at home. Moonshine. Moon. Yeah, baby. Dukes of Hazard. Starting on the home front, homemade stills started popping up all over the country. People would have them hidden in their basements, garages, caves in the mountains, workplaces, and more. Some of those caught would even turn out to be prohibition-supporting politicians. No surprises there. Knowing this was going on, the government began adding toxins to industrial alcohol that would make them taste awful or be poisonous. Bootleggers would start hiring chemists to remove the toxins, to which the government would respond by adding more dangerous chemicals. Uh, Obviously, uh, they weren't always removed, and as either the chemists failed or home brewers would fail to recognise the danger, and it's estimated up to 10,000 people died drinking these toxins during Prohibition. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Government deaths. Mm. 10,000. There's, there's a lot of people that are like, the government should have taken um, responsibility for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Another side effect of the bootleggers' efforts to make booze and smuggle it was the mods that began finding their way into cars and trucks to make them faster. As bootleggers started needing to outrun the agents trying to catch them, they would modify their cars to either hide the alcohol they were running or make them fast enough that they couldn't be caught. This was particularly popular in the southern and central states and eventually led to the introduction of NASCAR. I just want to go fast. I want to go fast. I don't oh, really. Is that what NASCAR what started from? Yeah, that's from. what NASCAR started from. With yeah. the stock car scene developing out of the bootleggers scene in the years to Is that what it's called yeah. a stock car? Because it used to carry yeah. stock alcohol. No, no, because, because it was supposed to look were, stock. It oh. looked stock, yeah. They were fundamentally oh. stock. Ve- they weren't race cars. They were stock cars that mm. had had modifications made to them based on the originality of the vehicle. Huh. So that's like rum running. Yeah, right. In, that's, yeah. yeah. So once Prohibition was repealed, they were like, well, we've got these freaking sick cars. So yeah, let's start them racing them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they went, huh. I think Daytona Beach was the first one. They like, they ran them around Daytona Beach on a course. Oh, that's, that's, this is what I've learned out of this episode. That's cool. Yeah, that's where that's NASCAR owes its roots and why it's still yeah, so popular in the southern states to Prohibition. Wow. Yeah. On the gang side, things were heating up like a mulled wine. One of the earliest efforts was to create Rum Row. Oh, that was good. Shut up. <laughs> a line of ships sitting just outside the US ocean border in international waters where imported alcohol would be sold and shipped back into the US. This alcohol, and more acquired through other sources, would start to find its way into speakeasies that were starting to show up in US cities. Speakeasies were hidden, illegal clubs that would host lavish parties and are basically the places that led to the famous Roaring Twenties aesthetic and, by extension, Prohibition, the club in the valley. There's a club in Fortitude Valley called Called Prohibition. Prohibition. Have you been there? Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I've never been. That's okay. It does have You're this sick much. lighting thing where they've got like all these hanging lights that are like, yeah, it looks cool. You're not mission. You're not. You're I'm not mission. Yeah. No, and if you want to go outside at Prohibition, you have to go where they vent all the air cons. It's like yeah, 15 hot. degrees hotter than yeah. inside. It's so disgusting. Inside of a speakeasy, you would find flappers, jazz band, people of all ethnicities, even Prohibition agents themselves looking to get a drink. They would be reviewed in newspapers and would become so <laughs> prolific that people living in cities would have to start putting up signs to tell partiers that they were not a speakeasy and to please not lock, knock on the door. So it just clicked what you said. The guys that are out chasing the moonshiners down yes. are in the speakeasies yes. having a drink. Yes. yes. After a hard day of yes. confiscating yes. alcohol. Yes. Yep. <laughs> there's there's oh, stories America. of- you just- Never change. Like the presidents would have alcohol, you know, like the president of the US would have alcohol stored in, yeah. The White House. Mm. Yep. Which cha- at, at this period of time was changed to the rum house. It was officially known as the rum the house. The white rum house. Yeah, the white rum white house, rum, yeah. Rum, yeah. Bacardi Malibu Mansion. Rum house. <laughs> Bacardi Mansion, baby. <laughs> That's where the first lady lived, Bacardi yes. Mansion. One of the most interesting cases of organised bootlegging was George Remus, a former criminal lawyer who became a bootlegger. He saw countless wealthy clients get off their charges for bootlegging and wanted to get in on the action. His plan was based on the millions of gallons of whiskey that was distilled before the war 
that could only be sold to medical companies. So he would set up a front, a drug business, to buy the whiskey, and then another front, a delivery company, to transport the whiskey, and then send his own men to steal the whiskey, then selling it on to speakeasies and other clubs. So he like yeah. he set up a fake company to buy yeah. the booze, and then a company to deliver the booze to, to like his yep. drug companies, and then other men would show up and be like, hey, stick them up, pal, give us the whiskey. And he'd be like, oh, no, please don't shoot me. Yeah. And then sell it to speakeasies. Yep. This worked well at first until he tried to bribe the wrong person, eventually finding himself convicted of breaking the Volstead Act 3,000 times and being sentenced to prison. Why was it called Volstead Act? I'm not actually sure. I didn't look at the Volstead Act itself. One moment, please. I'll continue with my story while Sean does that. The National Prohibition Act, known informally as the Volstead Act, uh, was the 66th United States Congress designed to execute the 18th Amendment, uh, which was named after Andrew Volstead, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, who managed the legislation. Okay. There you go. They're usually named like that. Yeah. They're always named after Named after whoever was in charge of- I just just know there's a uh, Norse god. He was one of the- um, Thor's friends, Volstag, and he's known for being a heavy drinker. I just thought there might have been some connection. There's not. So while he was in prison, uh, Remus would leave his wife in control of his money. She would instead have an affair with a prohibition agent, sell everything from the home, and file for divorce. Man, these prohibition agents are getting rams. They're getting everywhere. When Remus got out of prison, he would see his wife in a cab with her new lover, chase her down, run her off the road, and then shoot her in the street. Another- We've had this before. The yeah. damn 30s. <laughs> this was the 20s, bruh. That's the same. He would then hand himself <laughs> in. The, we just, don't like the 20s or was, the 30s. It was just the prequel to the 30s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's 30s light. <laughs> 30s light. <laughs> um, well, the 30s got their idea. Yeah, it's 1930s, The Phantom Menace. It's, it's oh, <laughs> boo. Don't you dare say boo. That is my favourite Star Wars film. When did- You're entitled to your opinion. Yeah, you're entitled to your opinion, which is wrong, but you're entitled to it. I didn't say it was the best. I said it's my favourite. Yeah, it's still wrong. When was um, old mate congressman shooting the fella outside the White House? Was that in the 30s? Oh, that oh. was like- No, no, no. That was, it was way earlier. Like, yeah, Way 70s or 18. Yeah, okay. the 18, well, the, the 1730s. 1700s. Yeah, okay. 17, something like that. Yeah. What was his name? Oh, that was a guy I did, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't um, Timothy Dexter. It was. Dexter was Adam's one. Yep, yeah, it was. Um, Are you talking about William Henry Harrells? No. Uh, no. It'll be in my episode notes. That was a while ago. No, just look up our episodes. It's the Civil War General. Civil War, that's when it was. It was a Civil War general. Timothy Dexter and really derailed the podcast here. Really derailed it. That was an early one, wasn't it? Hmm. First year. Year two. Dan Sickles. Dan, Dan Sickles. Sickles. Go have a listen to that episode. Episode if, 15. If you want to hear more of people getting shot in the streets. That's an old one. So Remus would hand himself in and then defend himself at his own trial. Claim insanity cry a lot, and make the nation feel bad for him based on what his wife did. The jury would find him innocent in just 19 minutes. He was a lawyer, wasn't he? Mm. Yep. And prove, once again, the American justice system is perfect. Can I start a new system? Can you cut in fact checks that I do where I read them later into the appropriate time? Oh, so like, huh? And then cut it in. The first NASCAR race was, yeah, have like a Tim Allen face or something. The first NASCAR race was, in fact, at Daytona Beach in February 15th, 1948, after the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing was conceived. NASCAR. Yes. Cool. So the jury found him innocent, Mm -hmm. proving that uh, the American justice system was perfect. Mm -hmm. In a perfect example of the unfair double standards, a mother was given a life sentence for making alcohol at home. So a mother was making alcohol at home. She was given a life sentence. George Remus sh- confessed to murder. Shot his ex-wife <laughs> yeah. in the street mm-hmm. in cold blood. As a bootlegger. Correct. Yeah. Was found not guilty in 19 yes. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps the most famous of all the illegal gangs that started to develop were the mobsters in Your episodes Chicago. make me angry. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So perhaps the most famous were the illegal gangs that started to develop in Chicago. Al Capone. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Scarface. All cities had Did mobsters, you- but Chicago had the one and only Al Capone, better known as Scarface. Or his personal f- personal favourite nickname, Snorky. And the guy who got scammed. Right. Yeah, my he fella. Did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did too. <laughs> Wasn't really a scam. He just took his money, held it for a month, went, eh, it didn't work out, and then got five grand. <laughs> uh, so Al Capone bucked the trend by making himself the most media-friendly gangster of all time. While the gangs were having shootouts all over the cities in the US, Capone was speaking to the media and creating a cult following with the public with his lavish displays of wealth and philanthropy. Despite being well-known as a gangster, he did a pretty good job of bribing the right people and having other people do all the dirty work, so he could never be pinned for any of his murders or bootlegging. It seemed that the whole nation was happy to break the law, and that the good times were never going to end, despite the draconian laws supposedly cutting down on booze. The good times did not last. You say that, and it makes me wonder with America's current issues. Mm. Guns. Mm. feel like... If they were to attempt what they did here, it'd just be the same. Which I guess is some people's points, but. You've got to look at Australia, right? Guns are not prohibited here. No. You just have to follow very strict laws on how you get them and keep them. And lots of different But there was that time yeah, where everyone yeah, handed their guns hey, in. Lots and lots of different types of guns are prohibited. That's yeah. the problem. Like, but it's not a matter of if you have a license, you can have it. There are lots and lots and lots of types of guns that America has that we are just said, oh. no, you can't have them at all. Yeah. But Magazine like guns as a weapons. concept yeah. is not banned. Yeah. I just think the first step America, uh, this, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. The first this step America potentially be cut. needs to do is just get rid of assault rifles. Yeah. It, it's just not going to You can happen. have bolt action rifles that are fed by a magazine. You can have them fed by a magazine, but it's the magazine fed weapons is part of the issue. It's the amount of rounds that you can physically fit yeah. in there. That's the it's problem. not even just assault rifles. It's that bloody mod that it can change that AR-15, which is semi-automatic into a full automatic weapon. Most of the, Well, the AR-15 is based on the Colt M4, which is on, it just comes naturally yeah, as semi-automatic the, and full automatic. That's the first step they need to yeah. take. Semi-automatic, anyway. yeah. Anyway. It's a very different man. topic. Very we've, covered, we've covered our feelings on America's gun laws extensively before. Yeah. Cheeky Tail says, no, no thank, thank you. you. That was really well done. Congratulations. Really well done, yeah. As you can edited. imagine. Hey. It wasn't edited. That, was- no. that really happened. As you can imagine, having all-out gang warfare on the streets is only fun for like one, maybe two years before you start getting sick of wondering if you'll catch a stray bullet in the head from a gang shootout while you're trying to pick up some nice pastrami for a sandwich. The public started to think that maybe Prohibition had made things worse, and the stats were starting to back that up. While in some rural small towns- What alcohol, year were you near, roughly? Uh, this is like towards the late 20s. Okay. Late 20s, early 30s. Yep. While in some rural small towns, alcohol consumption was down, in the cities, it was way up, as were charges for public intoxication, drink driving, and other petty criminal citations that were clogging up the justice system. It got to the point where judges were giving people light fines for anything relating to the Volstead Act so that they could get back to real justice. Oh, like murder. Yes. <laughs> the health impacts were noticed as well, with cases of liver cirrhosis notably spiking. Ooh. Mm. Holes in your liver if you didn't know what that is. Don't know what that is. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Congress was increasingly hypocritical about prohibition as well, with booze flowing in the halls of Congress. Booze from bootleggers was getting in and being sold with even President Harding serving his cabinet bootleg whiskey. Some- Good year this year, fellas, for your Christmas present. Here's some whiskey. <laughs> Don't take it out of this room. Some congressmen started to publicly oppose Prohibition, with one gathering the media to watch him drink a homemade beer, and while drinking it, asked a passing police officer if he wanted to arrest him. He didn't, proving his point. So he's like, hey, you want to arrest me for drinking this? And the guy's like, nah, mate, just kept walking. In some positive news about the bad times, our old mate Al Capone didn't stay free forever. As the nation started to spiral out of control, President Hoover decided that what he wanted to fix wasn't the rampant criminalisation of regular people, the skyrocketing rates of crime, or the horrifying increase in liver cirrhosis. No. He wanted to catch Capone. Gangsters, yep. Criminal number one. Uno, dos, one. Public enemy number one, sorry. Mm. 
As we know, Capone was good at hiding his crimes behind others, but his high profile and lavish spending did raise a question. How does he make his money without paying tax? And it was this question that led to his downfall as the IRS finally managed to pin him for tax evasion and brought him to trial. So, like, he had all this money, but he wasn't paying any tax. Mm. So, they're like, jail. That's a problem. Yeah. During the trial, he was pretty calm, laughing with his attorneys and generally acting like a man that had nothing to worry about. That was because he had threatened the jury's families, (laughs) which eventually the judge cottoned on to. Classic gangster move. Yeah. Uh, And the judge swapped out the jury for a new one at the last minute that hadn't been scared. (laughs) Capone was found guilty and given the longest sentence ever for tax evasion, 11 years. He would eventually die in prison after eight years from complications from syphilis. I wonder what that reunion would have been like with my- um, Yeah, your mate. And Al Capone. Yeah, because he was in- Alcatraz. I wonder if they were there at the same time. As public opinion around Prohibition started to change towards why the hell are we doing this, a new player appeared on the scene, Pauline Sabin, who was an influential, very rich politician. Uh, Sorry, very rich Republican politician supporter. She had a secret wine room in her house, so she was clearly anti-Prohibition. Secret wine. I'd I'd love a bit of secret wine. Just imagine having a secret wine cellar. Mm. Mm. She would found the Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform, which- W-O-N-P-R. Okay, W-N-P-R. That sounds like a radio station. Wouldn't Welcome to W-O-N-P-R. Mm. I stuffed that up. Playing I'm all sorry. the greatest hits. Which would quickly gain five times as many supporters Bring as the WCTU back, had at its peak. She would give speeches on the steps of Congress, but still, President Hoover wouldn't budge. To- get, him, get him drunk. Yeah. Well, actually, it sounds like he was one that wouldn't. Mm. Two events would categorically spell the end for Prohibition, though with the first being the Valentine's Day Massacre. On 14th of February 1929, a group of Al Capone's men would trick some Irish mobsters into coming into a garage in in Chicago to purchase some whiskey. What they actually did was line them up against the wall of the garage and shoot them in the head. The public felt that a line had been crossed, and they blamed Prohibition for building the environment that led to the gangs. How many people are we talking about? I think it was like 10 people or something. (sighs) Sorry, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm. What were we saying? How many people? Yeah. Uh, despite being as far to home, the massacre attempted to eliminate Bugs Moran and the head of the Northside Gang, the motivation for the plan. Uh, Moran was the last survivor. The murder that's going to happen. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre was the murder of seven members and associates of Chicago's Northside Gang that occurred on St. Valentine's Day in 1929. Uh, the men were gathered at a Lincoln Park, Chicago garage on the morning of February 14th, 1929. What? Uh, under the ruse of buying whiskey? Murders resulted from the competition and control of organised crime by the city during the prohibition between the largely <laughs> Irish Northsiders, headed by George Muggs Moran and the largely Italian Chicago outfit rivals led by Al Capone. Uh, Lincoln Park, for those that don't know anything about Chicago, is north the of band. the- band. It's north of the main city. Yeah, I was confused. <laughs> it's north of the main city of Chicago and it runs sort of parallel to the, the Great Lake hmm. that Chicago was pushed on and it's next to a suburb called Old Town which is a very unique suburb of Chicago. It's not a grid, it's a triangle because it survived the Great Chicago Fire when they rebuilt the city. It actually, it didn't survive, but it was in pretty good nick. I stayed at a hotel across from Lincoln Park and I would go walking through it when I was in Chicago. It's a really cool place. Yeah, I want to visit Chicago. Really cool place. Yeah. Really cool place. Did you have fun in the end? You didn't go numb at all? Did you find somewhere you belonged? <laughs> you didn't faint? <laughs> Yeah, we're going to walk out. <laughs> I think he's about to come to my right? No, he's gone to the bathroom. <laughs> let's continue, boy. Yes, please. Let's continue. Just leave Sean's chair empty. Yep. Actually, I'm really close to the end. I probably shouldn't. No, do it. It's funny. I'll talk loud enough so you can hear. No, stop him. The final and possibly most influential hit to Prohibition came in late 1929 when the stock market crashed and the US entered Uh, the Great Depression. Money. 15 million people lost their jobs overnight and half the banks in the country failed. This put Prohibition into perspective 
as enforcing the law was costing the country millions at a time when it needed cash more than anything. People started to argue that repealing prohibition would create jobs and bring in tax revenue. Mm -hmm. President Hoover couldn't read the room and continued to back prohibition despite all the evidence. And so when Franklin Roosevelt campaigned that he would remove prohibition, Hoover would lose the 1932 election in an absolute landslide. I was going to say that'd be a landslide, wouldn't it? Yeah. Paving the way for an almost immediate end to prohibition. First would come the Beer Permit Act of 1933, followed by the ratification of the 21st Amendment in 1933 that officially repealed prohibition. It's still like four years later. That's still a mm. long time. It's 13 years after prohibition started. Yeah, that's, I didn't realise it lasted that long. I mm. thought it was like a year or two and then it was no. over. That's why they call it a period, because it was 13 years. Yes. You didn't get a paper cut on the toilet paper while you are in there? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> The country went into one massive party and an estimated 500,000 jobs were created as the industry reignited across the country. After effects. It's tough to understate the effects that Prohibition had on the US. That would have been points of authority, right? Yes. Well, for this, yeah, sure. (laughs) Obviously, the culture around drinking had shifted with an overall reduction in alcohol consumption over time over the next few decades. The culture had shifted in other ways as well, as during the speakeasy era, people of different genders and cultures had started to mingle in ways that they hadn't been allowed to before, leading to a shift in demographics interacting. The gangs that formed during the Prohibition era also didn't go away. They just shifted different things, like drugs. Prohibition also never completely left, with some counties in the US still having some form of Prohibition to this day. Regardless of its complicated history, I think we can all agree that Prohibition was worth it just to have NASCAR. <laughs> Yeehaw, cowboy! Uh, and the tailgate parties outside of it. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's it. That's Prohibition, baby. If no one is aware of this, um, do you know where Jack Daniels is made? Tennessee? Tennessee. Yep. Did you know that Tennessee- You can't drink the whiskey. Yeah, there, you, you can't drink the whiskey where it's made. The mm. county that it's made in is a dry county. Most of, ten- most of Tennessee is dry by default. Local jurisdictions must choose whether to allow alcohol sales in order for liquor to be sold. It's actually like a whole thing. So That would suck yeah, if you've gone there to visit. No, you're okay. You're, if you're not a resident of oh. Tennessee, you can go to the Jack Daniels. Yeah, it's a- Yeah, one yeah, moment. Prohibition today is super weird. Yeah. D- pretty much the only dry state is Tennessee. The rest of them, there are mixed, like that have mixed counties and mixed local areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tennessee is pretty much it in terms of like, okay, this is like, we're, we're done here. It's actually really, really, really interesting. Mm. So, uh, wait, legal status. On a state level, Tennessee has imposed stringent requirements to be labeled as Tennessee whiskey for starters. So, to be made and called Tennessee whiskey, it has to be made in what's called the Lincoln County method, which is- Basically, how you make Jack Daniels. So, if you mm-hmm. want to call it Tennessee whiskey, you're pretty much making Jack Daniels because the actual system of how it's made is really, really friggin' specific. Um, and yeah, Moore County, where Jack Daniels, the distillery, is located, is one of the state's many dry counties where it is legal to distill the product within the county, but it is illegal to purchase it there. However, a state law has provided one exception a distillery may sell one commemorative product regardless of county status. Jack Daniels now sells Gentleman Jack, Jack Daniels Single Barrel in a commemorative El Seasonal Blend at the distillery's White Rabbit Bottle Shop. There you go. I mean, <clears throat> I guess that's one way to make sure your employees aren't just hammered. Hammered your own product while they're making it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's Prohibition. Was Prohibition. Mm. Nice. That was, yeah. Hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Well, you can hit us up on at Cheeky Tales Pod. Wrap it up, boy. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't do it. Uh, we will be posting some supplemental X. images there. Um, you can also, yeah. Speaking of X, you know, mm. X.com is one of the three, one of only three single domain name websites. websites. Hmm. Hmm. X was one of them. Wasn't that, um, wasn't that the original site for PayPal, X? Because Twitter is still on Twitter.com. Um, might have been. Mm. Yeah, something like that. Because I think Elon Musk owned it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's how he made his money. Mm. It's PayPal. 
Yeah, but I think he owned X.com. Anyway, so, um, just thought that was interesting. Yeah, at Cheekadales Pod, um, share us with a friend, maybe a big booze hound. Um, it'd be nice to get this maybe out. To someone more. who's high up in a booze company who wants to sponsor, sponsor us. a prohibition episode. <laughs> Absolutely, more than happy. Hit us up. Yeah, I will shill Passion Pop till the days come, <laughs> till the day Goon ends. Bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, go Bucks. Um, hopefully, by the next time we release this. Uh, another episode they're in the Super Bowl um, other than that uh, I hope you have a good night good night you got to stop saying good night it's daytime it is clearly daytime but good day it's not only is it clearly daytime but we've done we're not few, having this argument again we are having this argument no, again this we've argument. recorded so many episodes in the day our sign they off is good night day. so good night Chiquitos ta-ta cut it <laughs>